Social media marketing often grossly underperforms and overwhelms small business owners. So today, we're going to be giving you some of our top tips that you can implement in your business to supercharge and simplify your social media marketing. From increasing engagement and attraction to putting together a successful strategy and knowing what tools to use, my guest Amanda Kendall and I will be shining a light on what you can do to make your social media work better for you and at the same time not take over your lives. The Simply Standout Marketing Podcast is for you, the small business owner wanting to supercharge your marketing with simple, actionable strategies and inspiration so you can smash your goals and grow your business. Now it's your turn to discover what actions to take to make your business truly stand out and succeed. Let's get started. Social media is now an integral part of marketing most small businesses, but it's all too easy to get stuck on the hamster wheel of posting content without much to show for your efforts. It's time to make your social media work for you. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Amanda Kendall, a social media consultant who works with small business owners to help them learn how best to promote their work and grow their business. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you very much for coming on the Simply Stand Up Marketing Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Oh, it's wonderful. Now, look, we I actually met you many years ago um, back in the sort of the travel blogging space, which is wonderful. And you do some great things in there. And one thing that um, that I do especially love of yours is your podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank Tell, you. Now, <laughs> Before we get on to, so we're talking all about social media today, but before we get on to that, um, I just want you to tell people a little bit about your podcast because it is, for anyone who loves traveling, it is one of my favorite things um, to actually listen to for something different. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. So I have been running the Thoughtful Travel podcast for just about five years now. In a couple of weeks, it'll be five years. And it's a podcast where we talk a lot about travel, but not so much about destinations. I mean, they come up a lot, of course, but it's really about all of the things we like about it, what travel, how it changes us, what it does for us. Um, We might talk one week about uh, slow travel and the next about, I don't know, volunteering for as we travel or um, often the most popular episodes are when things go wrong when we travel. And every episode I chat with three different guests in you know a little bit of an extract from three different conversations. So lots of variety, lots of fun. And I, it's such a privilege to create it because I get to talk to so many fascinating, fabulous people. Um, Nikki, you've been a guest on it as well, a very wonderful guest. So thank you. And um, yeah, so the Thoughtful Travel Podcast, one of my very favorite things that I do out of a lot of different kinds of work I do. Yes. So you do do a lot of different things. So you've got the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Um, you've got a travel blog. Uh, is it not not another ballerina? Is that correct? Just not a ballerina. Not a ballerina. Not a ballerina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I am um, not a ballerina. I'm much better at writing, thank goodness. <laughs> and you also work in social media and blogging as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're a lady of many, many talents. I get bored easily. So I like to have lots of different things on the go, but it also all does feed into each other. So like, like as a very brief overview, I started off as um, at some stage doing travel writing, which became travel blogging. 
And then I um, wanted to combine that with my love of teaching, especially adult ed. And so I pitched um, to a university here to teach a blogging course. And it kind of all exploded from there. It's about 12 years ago now. And I started to teach people to blog for their business. And of course, then social media became more important. And I started to teach people how to uh, run their social media effectively to promote their business. And it's all kind of all combined. And so, you know, I do all of it. You know, I get to use my podcasts and its social media to as a kind of a testing ground and a learning ground so that then I'm always up to date and I can continue to teach my clients the best way to market themselves as well. Yeah, and look, I think with social media, it's it's one of those things, and with all of the things that you do do, small business owners, they really have to, you know, wear many hats, and that includes the social media and and promotion and marketing and and all the rest of it. So I think it's fantastic, and that's why I love talking to you, is because you have that depth of experience of, um. You know, you do specialise in in different things, but you also know how things fit together, which I think is fantastic. Thank you. I think um, over the years I've worked with people in so many different industries and uh, these days I really focus mostly with small and solo business owners of various kinds of industries, but um, definitely that uh, where they need to wear a lot of hats thing uh, really relates to a lot of my clients. And then we have to find a way that social media can fit in with all of the other work they have to do so that it doesn't become something that you know is all consuming and they don't actually get much chance to actually do the actual work. So yeah, it's, uh, it's yes. a tricky puzzle sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And look, social media is seriously overwhelming and often very underperforming for many small business owners. You know, what can they do to make it work better for them and to not take over their lives? Yes, that is the million dollar question. Totally, Nikki. Um, but what I kind of advise with my clients, largely speaking, is uh, obviously, they need a strategy. You know, often clients will come to me and they've just been, you know, I just I started a Facebook page and I've just been posting on it sometimes, and they haven't ever stopped to sit down and think, okay, what will we post and and why and when and how and all of that. So I try and get them always to stop, uh, you know, stop and step back and first of all, really think about their audience. Uh, who is the audience that they that they need to reach, and which platform are they on? How are they actually going to talk to them on social media? Uh, and if they have existing social media to actually stop and look, uh, who is the audience existing there already? And are they my audience or not? You know, what what do we need to do about that? And then to have a really good think about, you know, the overall messaging, you know, what are the, the brand values that you're wanting to show on social media? Uh, and, you know, what are the key things that you need to be communicating? What's the best way to do that on social media? And uh, putting that together and tackling it one platform at a time. So sometimes I'll have clients come and they say, right, so I need a Facebook page, an Instagram profile, LinkedIn, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yes, maybe you do, but you can't just start doing all of those at once because that will send you to an early grave very quickly. So let's think about what's the most effective one for your audience and which one you like, like which one do you actually use personally? There's nothing worse than trying to get someone to do a lot of Facebook marketing when they never open it for themselves because they don't have that intrinsic understanding of how the platform works or they can't observe their own behavior as a user. And so it just makes it really, really challenging. So 
Uh, I get them to focus, you know, one platform at a time, do that for a while, see how that goes, refine it. And then we can look at adding other platforms as well. But stepping back and even if it's just an hour long think about, you know, what do, what do we need to say and how's best to say it and um, and where, then, you know, even just that makes a massive difference. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. And just having having a strategy behind things that they put out. So rather than just putting out, um, you know, there's there's so much fluff on social media, and it's great to have, you know, something funny, something that, uh, from my point of view, you know, that can really connects um, with your audience, and then some some how to. For me, say it would be like how-to stuff, connection, and also, you know, that thought reversal, just getting people to think differently mm. about what you do and, you know, how you solve a problem differently uh, and really getting people to stand out um, and stand for something. So rather than mm. saying what everyone else is saying, mm-hmm. I'm really trying to get businesses to go, okay, you know, I'm putting the hand up. I really do stand for something. These are my values. These are, um, this is how we do things differently. This is why you should choose us rather mm-hmm. than, you know, we're the best. Yeah. We're the leading or. <laughs> I think that's so important. I just had that exact conversation with some clients th- um, this morning, in fact. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are scared to stand for something because they think they'll offend someone or that someone won't, won't like it. But then they're not your customers or clients anyway. And you're much more likely, it's the whole, you know, you have to uh, repel to attract. You're much more likely to get people who really love what you do if you actually stand for something and have a, have a bit of a position or, you know, have some real authenticity there. And if you're just going along being very average and normal or just, you know, posting pictures of your products every day and that's it or something like that, then there's nothing to really grab onto. People go to social media to have conversations. Uh, otherwise, they're just Googling or just going shopping. You know, that's not, that's not what happens on social media. They want to have something to talk about. Mm. Oh, exactly. And, you know, with social media, a lot of people, and rightly so, are scared to actually say something that, that could have people going, oh, you know, you're an idiot or um, you look stupid in that dress or, I mean, people are horrible on mm-hmm. social media. Mm. But at the, you know, one thing I've been given a lot of very good advice is, you know, you've got to pretend you're covered in Vaseline or, or just let it slide off because they are not your people. You know, you do need to uh, look at those people that that you really admire and the ones that you follow and look at them and go, okay, well, why do I follow them? Is it because they're the same as everyone else or is it because they stand for something? Is it because you um, your values are similar or mm. you, ins- you know, you're inspired uh, to be like them or, or they provide, they empower you to, to be a better version of yourself or whatever it happens to be? Um, it is a hard thing to get over, especially with social media, mm-hmm. but the benefits are there if um, if you can stand out. Absolutely. And I think that you're right that people find it hard to do and they're concerned and anxious about it. And I'm always telling my clients, just be brave and try this out. And the other thing that I off the way I often frame things when my clients are worried about those kinds of things or anything at all, actually, is I say, just make it an experiment. And so I say, do this, you know, every day for a month and then come back and tell me how it went. You know, it's not like, let's change this forever. You know, I just say, let's experiment, try this. 
And um, if it works, then that's great. And if not, then that's fine. And, you know, that kind of, if they feel it's possibly temporary, they tend to be a bit braver. Actually, I I like that. That's uh, that's really good because at the end of the day, you go, okay, I just need to take one small step, mm. and then after that, take another one. And if it doesn't work, there's a lot of things within marketing and and social media that just doesn't work. You'll try something and go, mm, they didn't quite hit that mark, but you know, maybe if I just tried a little bit differently a few <laughs> more times and keep trying. Um, it just might work. So it should work. You know it should work. Um, sometimes you've just got to – it's trial and error for a lot of it. So now most one thing that most businesses do struggle to get, and that's small and large businesses I've got to say, is to get the engagement that they need on social media. Have you got some really good tips for increasing engagement for them? I Well, I hope so. Yes, I think they're good tips. And I think it comes back to the fact that um, you have to remember you, you, it's social media is a constant thing of putting yourself in the in the shoes of the audience and a user perspective and thinking, you know, what are they coming to this platform for? What are they doing the rest of the time on this platform when they're not looking at my posts? And, you know, most of the time they're there to see what their friends or people they really know are up to. So as a business, you want to fit into that. You don't want to stand out and look like you're just um, promoting something and, you know, that it's like traditional marketing or an ad or something. So I think that's the first way to make sure you're thinking about it. And and then you want to find ways to engage or, you know, ways to post in social media that help with your kind of that know, like and trust factor, which we always talk about. And to do so, I think you want to be personal in a way. And I don't mean you have to give, you know, intimate details of your private life or anything, but speak as as a person, especially if you're, you know, a sole business or um, even in a small business, sometimes that will work as well or make it sound personal. So there'll be um, some aspects in some posts which are not just about, you know, the business, but, um, you know, whether it's uh, an issue of the day or something that's been bothering them or uh, a mistake or error that's been made, you know, that they've made themselves and you want to talk about it. Those kinds of things uh, are relatable. Uh, also try and be um, emotive sounds wrong because I think it's a bit uh, sounds sensational, but uh, consider what emotions you might um, draw out of the the reader or the you know the social media user. So whether you know you make them laugh or uh, make them kind of um, you know feel drawn to you and connected or sad about something or whatever, there's uh, a lot of engagement in emotion and just being real. Like you don't have to be. Um, pretending to be perfect all the time. I certainly don't, uh, even though, I mean, in social media, no one can know everything anyway because it changes by the minute and um, and a lot of it's all a mystery. But I, I'm very blunt and honest about what I do and don't know or like, um, you know, what I've only just discovered or, you know, oh, I'm not sure if this will work, but this is a new thing, you know, I'm going to try this out. And, you know, just uh, I think um, – finding ways to come across as much as possible like a real person and then mm. opening up conversations. So that's where engagement really happens is where there's 
um, a chance for a conversation. And to have good conversations with um, social media posts, you need to know your audience well. You need to understand what kind of things do they want to talk about. Um, people love to, you know, give examples of. Uh, actually, <laughs> I learned this from my podcast. People love examples of what what's gone wrong. So you know, that's always <laughs> a, as an engaging thing. Um, or you know, just the chance to even have some feedback or you know, conversations about topics that they care about. So uh, really, just. Opening up lines for conversation, I think, is, um, you know, that really real key to good engagement. Yeah. And look, I think, as you say, the human element is key because you look at you know, the really big companies and they would pay millions just to get the human element that small businesses and solo operators have because they're, you know, they're so big and they just don't have that. And they try to do it with staff and you know, staff being um, out the front and all the rest, but it just doesn't work as well. So I think one thing small businesses have got over everyone is that they are humans. They can sit there and go, you know, they can have the knowledge of of their audience and mm-hmm. going, okay, well, this is the problem my audience has. This is how I solve it. But um, taking that imperfect action of, okay, we get things wrong. We admit that. Um, I, I think where a lot of businesses actually do go wrong is going, we try and, you know, we do everything perfectly and it's not our fault and it's it, things mm-hmm. go very wrong very quickly now that there's social media um, with negative reviews and with, uh, you know, some of them are horrid, but the majority of people saying, oh, look, this didn't go so well for me. And you'll see uh, you know, comments on social media that are saying something, you know, critical of an organisation and the ones that do it really, really well put in the human element and go, hey, look, we stuffed up or, you know, if that is the case, obviously, um, we're sorry, we will do everything we can to fix it. Um, so, I mean, yes, sorry, I did go off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> it's an important <laughs> tangent. And, and to hark back to the start of it, I think that you're right that it, um, small businesses and solo operators, it's our superpower that we can be human because you're right, a big supermarket chain is never going to be human no matter what kind of strategy they put in place. It can't work. But small business and solo business can do that beautifully and, you know, that's where social media really, really works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, it is hard, I, I do know, being a, a small business owner, actually responding to people all the time on social media and, and you don't want to be on there all the time. So you really want to set yourself some boundaries of, okay, I will check, um, you know, whatever, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, I will do it for this much time every single day and that's it. Um, I, I think otherwise you end up, I remember going through a stage where I was just, all, I felt like I was always on social media and it drove me crazy. Um, I, I heartily approve of your boundaries and I aspire to be better. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. But do you know what? I've found that with my social media channels over the years, they've morphed to the point where um, I'm not even aware half the time that it's my business and it feels like I'm just chatting with friends and therefore it doesn't seem to drive me nuts. So I guess that's, um, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but, um, I think that's but that's how thing. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, 
one of your social media channels, um, you host a highly engaged Facebook group called Thoughtful Travellers. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the group and what you've learned over the years about running a successful Facebook group? Yeah, thank you. Now, the my Thoughtful Travellers Facebook group is absolutely one of my very favourite little parts of the internet. Uh, it's been running must be nearly four years, I suppose. So it's kind of a group of the listeners of the Thoughtful Travel podcast, um, not exclusively, but I think most people in there do listen or have listened, uh, and some of them listen religiously. And I... Um, it's a very, very engaged group. You know, whatever gets posted gets a lot of discussion. It's the kind of group where uh, people have ended up meeting up in real life. For example, I had a um, a German woman who went on a trip with an Australian woman in Morocco, and the German woman now lives in Morocco through people she met, and they met through my Facebook group. And um, wow, yeah, yeah, and there's like a dozen examples like that that I could give you. I mean, that's the uh, the mo- most geographically extreme one, but um, but there's lots of things like that. Like people, you know, form these bonds through the group. So I think there's a few things. I mean, and I love Facebook groups for this reason because they set they're set up really well for this. Uh, one thing is that it's um, important with a Facebook group to have a fairly tight niche. So Thoughtful Travellers is a fairly tight niche where it's people who are travelling not just to, you know, have a um, – a uh, what's the flopping holiday called? You know, when you just go and flop by the pool. <laughs> what's it? It's a, not a flip and flop, but you know what I mean. They're not just going to travel to relax. They're going to, um, you know, just to, to have a real experience and, um, you know, they have – they they're kind of addicted to travel, so in a you know in what I think is a really positive way, uh, and so those people are the people who end up in the group, and I think um, it's engaging for them because we all have a lot in common despite being very diverse. There's the age group is from you know twenty to eighty plus. Uh, it, diversity across countries is really broad, uh, and. Um, Despite that, everyone gets along because they have this common, you know, common, really dedicated interest. But I also curate it that way, I suppose, in the stuff that I post. So I make sure that it's, you know, I know that what they like and I always make it conversational. So whatever it is, I will give, you know, I'll post a, an article or a photo or something. I'll give a, a my opinion. You know, this is what I feel about this. It might be a story of something that's happened to me. Uh, and then I'm often I will ask uh, a direct question as a result. But these days I often don't even ask and they just spontaneously appear um, with their own ideas and their own opinions and their own discussion about it because I've kind of trained them to do that. Uh, So that just, uh, I think that's an important part of, you know, kind of providing expectations for followers in a group and then it works from there. Um, The other thing that I have deliberately done over the years with that Facebook group is actually controlled it quite tightly in terms of uh, firstly, who I let into the group. So I do screen everyone quite carefully and um, check their profiles and make sure that I think they are the right kind of person for the group, mm. uh, which you know means that the numbers grow more slowly uh, in terms of you know straight follower numbers or straight group member numbers, sorry, but the engagement stays high. And I think that that's um, really important. So it's very easy to think, oh, yes, I just want to have the biggest group possible. But I think it's important to think, no, actually, I want the most engaged group possible because at the end of the day, that's the thing that will, you know, lead to the best outcomes rather than just a straight numbers. Um, so quite tight controls. And um, 
I've found lots of different ways to get them involved over the years in the group. So for example, I run a book club through the group and I reached out to just someone who's engaged a lot in the group and who's been on my podcast a couple of times and said, hey, Justin, do you want to co-host this uh, book club with me? And like a year on, he still does. And, you know, um, he, you know, he's just has no stake in it. He's just a engaged member of the Facebook group. Or uh, when I had an anniversary, it must be about a year, a year ago now, it was the fourth anniversary of the podcast. And in the group, I'm like, okay, I'd really love to just interview a few normal group members. So not, you know, they're not travel agents or travel bloggers or um, travel professionals in any way, just ordinary group members. And I wondered if anyone would want to, because it's a bit daunting. I had such a, such a good response. And the interviews I did were amazing. I just got such a thrill out of them. And the episodes with those interviews turned out brilliantly. And those people are like now hyper, they already were pretty engaged, but now hyper engaged in the group because I've, you know, connected them in. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a bit of a, a bit of a blah, 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 lots of stuff there. But that's some of the reasons I think that the group has been successful. Oh, and it really has been successful. I mean, I'm, I'm actually in your group and you really do build a community, but it feels like you actually belong to the community. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's yours. It feels like it's ours. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing, um, to actually give people that sense of belonging to something so that they do value it. And you do then create those, you know, those raving fans, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from face- Facebook groups obviously aren't for every small business or every business. What are some of the business, you know, some of the industries or, or types of businesses that you think that Facebook groups are good for? Well, I think with a bit of um, a bit of lateral thinking, Facebook groups can be appropriate for all kinds of industries. Uh, what you really need to think about is uh, who does your business help and what kind of help is it providing? And is there a basis for a kind of a support group around that, around the answer to that, around the way that uh, you help people? That's often a way that I find Facebook groups can work. Um, and the other thing is just a passionate interest. So if your followers have, you know, have a, like in my case, travel, but um, perhaps for, I don't know, outdoor adventure or, I don't know, cars or whatever, if your, um, if your business type lends itself to, uh, some kind of passionate um, hobby or interest, then that can be another kind of group that can work. So obviously also like a service industry business might be um, more, might be that more, um, you know, how to do something or actual support and help within a Facebook group. But it doesn't have to be that. I think it can be something where you are the facilitator of a, of a group of, you know, passionate people about a particular topic and you don't have to be doing a lot of, you know, promotional marketing within that to actually get a lot out of having that such a group because they know that, you know, you've provided this space and you are the, you know, the business behind it. So I think um, I think they're underused in lots of business segments and with a bit of a bit of uh, thinking around a bit of creative thinking. I think there's lots of options that um, groups like that can work for all kinds of small businesses. Yes, well, I've actually um, I'm a I'm a member of quite a few groups, but um, you know th- I know there's an accountant who actually has a Facebook group. There's a lawyer. I mean, they're not traditional. You know, if you thought about it, why would anyone want to join a Facebook group? It just doesn't make sense. But the way they do it. It's that sense of community. It's that mm. um, you know that brings that personal. Um, 
that personal side of things into business. So, and they look, they do really well. So really at the end of the day, you've just got to think outside the box, outside the square and just go, okay, well, well, one, do we actually need this? Um, what's the purpose of it? What's the strategy behind it? And how can you make it successful? So, I mean, not everyone's going to want it. It is, they are quite a bit of work. Um, especially True, at the start. But they're anyway. so fun. <laughs> <laughs> but you could talk about travel all day, every day, and it would just be like a hobby. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, you're quite right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's what you have to do. You have to find a Facebook group purpose that feels like it's fun all day. So, yeah. yeah well, that's that's very true. So, well, none of us can travel really at the moment. So, no. sadly, but we will, we can dream. We can. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> no. Now, look, let's get into some of the sort of tools and resources. What are some of the best tools and resources that have helped you with your social media marketing? Well, this is such a good question because I sometimes find that small business owners go a bit nuts on using all kinds of tools and it sometimes is, I guess, over-engineered, I think. And especially when they're starting out, they try and get all these things to use and they really don't use them to their most effective capacity, et cetera. So if I'm starting out with someone who's, you know, just beginning to build their online presence, um, the one tool that I always send them to is Canva or, I mean, there's some alternatives to Canva these days, but I think having a bit of um, simple but decent looking graphic design at your fingertips cannot, the, the power of that cannot be overstated. Um, so something like Canva and Canva's one of my favorites. Oh, me too. You know, it was actually <laughs> founded by a woman who went to school, not five kilometers away from where I sit now. So, um, oh, there you go. I feel a little bit, uh, a little bit <laughs> proud of it, but I mean, it's life changing to me. It's yeah. I, um, think that's one of the best tools that has ever been invented. Uh, and the other thing that I often get them to do is just from an organizational point of view to use some kind of, um, like project management tool like Asana or Trello or Notion or one of those. So at the moment I use Asana, but I have used Trello in the past. Uh, just I sometimes need a bit of variety and I chop and change and I like the way Asana looks at the moment. So, um, yeah. so just I'm laughing so can... because that's what I do. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. It's Go, not just me. <laughs> oh, I'm sick of that one, so I've got to move to the next one. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just need a refresh and a restart. So, um, yeah, so I think those things are important because that's a good way if you can, you know, kind of plot out a bit of your social media strategy, you know, what kind of posts and things like that. It's just a good way to kind of keep track of things without uh, having, I don't know, post-it notes all over the place. Um, and then the other thing that I really recommend is, a, you know, keeping track of a bunch of resources where you can get good information, especially in an area like social media, because it's constantly changing. So I um, actually have a, a short list, I'll tell you, of um, of like blogs that I tend to look at. And they're largely blogs from, in fact, ironically, uh, tools. But um, if you ignore the fact that they are sometimes trying to spruik their own tool, their information in them is usually fabulous. So I often look at uh, later, the later blog. So later, the um, Instagram scheduling tool. So later's blog, um, Buffer's blog. So Buffer, another scheduling tool. Um, the Buffer blog, the Hootsuite blog, similarly, I find they always have really useful stuff. And also Social Media Examiner. So I just regularly check on on those four four or five sites, and I feel like I can easily stay up to date with 
you know, important changes, but without having to spend all my life kind of, you know, delving into all of the little nooks and crannies where I could get information. And they're also really good to, you go, okay, I really need to do something with uh, something new that I've never done before with, say, Instagram. So you go to later search it yeah. and you find it's up pop some guide to you know how to do the latest uh, insta tv or insta stories or that's whatever so it happens to yeah. be and it's brilliant that's how you know that's how half of us have ever learned to actually yeah. do things from the start and you go i don't need to reinvent the wheel um i don't need to i don't need a course for this i just need to know how to quickly do insta stories or or whatever it happens to be so no i i do like all of those things they're they're really good yeah you're right they do have really good guides like if i've got someone who's never done instagram stories before i would just send them that and that's you know already gives them so much information because they have those yeah really good step by step guides so yep yeah agree and one thing i've always been told um, from, you know, from the Facebook experts, because I'll never say that I'm a Facebook expert. Uh, I know a lot, but nobody not is really on it. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Zuckerberg, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, look, is was to always use their scheduling tool, never to use, because um, Facebook mm-hmm. loves itself. Yep. It's what I've always been told and to Same. always use their scheduling tool, never use an outside one. Is that what you think too? I agree completely. Yeah, for Facebook, definitely I always recommend scheduling from within Facebook itself. So, yep. Um, the other platforms I think it's much less important and some you can't even schedule within. Um, but, yeah, Facebook, I still always do it within Facebook. Yeah. And look, I, there's one tool that I love using um, back when I used to do a lot on Pinterest. Um, I don't say much anymore, but was Tailwind. Yes. Um, same. Yes. Yep. It was a fantastic tool to use if if you begin to Pinterest, and it'll be more the people in, you know, beauty, fashion, um, food. Um, the pretty visual stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Travel. <laughs> yes. 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 Now, now, what advice would you give a small business owner wanting to simplify their social media and and to make it far more effective? Yes, <laughs> this is the utopia that everyone's looking for because they want to spend less time but get a better result. Um, yep. And sometimes that's tricky, <laughs> but it is not impossible. So I would say pair it back. Um, first of all, have a look at your results so far. Uh, often people think they know what works, but they're just going on hunches or they've seen lots of likes or something. But, you know, actually look at the insights and the analytics. So that might be like on Facebook or Instagram, the actual the insights tabs, uh, maybe comparing it with your Google Analytics for your website if you've got that set up. So, you know, spend a little bit of time having a look at what the data actually shows is working. Um, and then using that information, Focus your attention on, you know, probably one or two platforms, which ones are actually converting for you. Uh, For example, over the years, a lot of people have, they love Instagram and then they look at the data and they think, oh, wow, only like three people came to my website from Instagram last month. So hmm, maybe that's not the best for me, um, for example. So focus on one or two platforms. Uh, maybe f- if you really want to be slim- simplifying, focus it on just one or two audience types. So sometimes people are trying to reach all of their audience. Maybe their audience includes different demographics or different kinds of people, but, you know, focus on where you're going to get the most bang for your buck or, you know, return on your time investment. Um, and 
Uh, an important piece is, I think I mentioned it early on, but pick what you enjoy as well because there's nothing worse than feeling like you have to um, get on social media and you have to post you know, twice this week or whatever um, just because that's your strategy and you actually really resent doing it. I can I can feel that resentment in people's posts when they do that. So, you know, you've got to find that balance of what works for your audience, um, what works for you time-wise, and what you actually can enjoy doing. Yes, uh, and it's quite interesting. You you talk about the the data side of things and and looking at the insights and and what time people are on and how much they're engaging. And I I know. People who go, yeah, and a lot of the time it is Instagram. They go, oh, but we love Instagram, but yeah, it's just not, you know. And then you look at it and go, well, guys, it's not actually converting into any sales, or it might be Facebook, whatever it happens mm, to be. Mm. That's actually an entire topic that I just covered in episode nine, um, and talking about actually doing a marketing audit of all of your marketing, including your social media, to actually look at the data plus um, the psychology plus, you know, what's the emotion behind things. So actually going through and instead of guessing what's working and (laughs) what's not, you know, going, okay, what are all the pieces of the puzzle? Why is someone, you know, going from, say, your social media to a page on your website and then not doing anything and then leaving straight away? Because you've got to go, okay, well, social media is working, but that web page is obviously broken because no one's doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that stuff that people are missing because they're going, oh, yep, we've got lots of people on our Facebook or uh, Instagram, um, you know, the engagement's pretty good, but either people are going through to our website and not doing anything or they're not going to through to it at all. So there's a lot of pieces in the puzzle with marketing that often get people forget to connect them. Yeah. Um, and I think people have a um, a fear of data and, or, or, you know, I might say a spreadsheet and then they freak out like, oh, I don't do spreadsheets or, you know, it sounds like maths or whatever. Um, and I often start with my clients off just something really simple, like I'll get them to like weekly monitor just, you know, five or six statistics from your social media use, uh, you know, just every week. And sometimes I tell them, even if you won't go near a spreadsheet, get it, put it in a notebook, but at least start monitoring things so that you can see trends and you can see oh gosh something worked really well this week what was it and you know actually coming to grips with how things are working what what actually does work and having a bit of well yeah having some data to back things up Oh, yes. That's, uh, I did up a checklist or I use a, a huge checklist. It's actually about seven pages. Um, with my clients just to break it down step by step of, okay, have you done this? You know, are these things true or false in your business? Mm-hmm. So they can actually look through every section and go, okay, no, this isn't. So we better start working on this and, and they can <laughs> do it quite easily. Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah, I, I, it is an important. And look, the word audit or spreadsheet or data, does not fill me with excitement at all, but I've learned the hard way that you just you have got to make friends with them. (laughs) (laughs) There is power in that information. Oh, absolutely. So you just have to go with it whether you like it or not, really. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. And or well, find someone think, who does. Well, all that, yes. But I think if, um, like, when I get people to start off at that really simple level, it's enough usually because then they, if, if it's small enough that they can do it and, um, you know, use it, then they'll start to see, oh, this is, this is working. Oh, Amanda was right. And then they might take that next step and be a bit more detailed about it and go a little bit deeper. So, yeah, it's uh, small steps first. Yep. Oh, everything is small steps. Everything in marketing and business, in mm. probably in life. Yes, lots and lots <laughs> of small steps. I know. I always tell my clients when that yeah, it's that um, success is the result of a lot of very boring, small, consistent actions. But um, you got to keep doing them, and then they add up to something bigger. Oh, and they do. And it's got to be, you know, you're much better off. Uh, as someone once said to me, you know, taking action one step at a time rather than being in motion. And I sort of thought about it and just went, yeah, a lot of the time, a lot of us are in motion. We're doing stuff, we're busy, but we're not actually taking action. So that's where your strategy and your, you know, your strategic plans and stuff like that really come in um, to play because we all get, even including me, um, get that shiny, so it's this, you know, the shiny <laughs> object syndrome. Yep. And you go, oh, cool, there's some new, really cool new technology um, or something new has come out. Oh, quick, uh, better have a look at that. Is that going to save me a world of time? Really, it probably will take, you know, more time to, to learn how to <laughs> Often, do it. And yes, still exactly. won't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And you're better off spending the time yeah, being doing what you have been doing, but just more strategically. Yep, absolutely. So, now look, Amanda, one thing I love to ask my guests is what is your favourite quote that inspires you? Oh, this is easy because it's all over my office and my fridge. And it's actually from Gretchen Rubin, who I really admire, um, who works, who writes about productivity and habits and happiness and stuff. And um, she has said on numerous occasions, um, when you're faced with a decision, her, her quote is, choose the bigger life. And when I'm wondering what to do, and there's lots of variations of what the bigger life might be, but when I'm wondering what to do, I often, often think of that. And then that kind of gives me that, okay, I'm going to take this crazy step, or I'm going to try this thing instead. Or sometimes choose the bigger life might be, actually, I'm going to let go of posting, I don't know, posting every day on Facebook, because for me, the bigger life is now spending more time um, playing table tennis with my son, or, you know, there's so many versions of it. But I think that asking yourself, you know, what for you is the bigger life can be amazing in helping you make decisions. And as a business owner, there's just so many decisions that you need to make all the time. And um, so I found that really helpful for me over the years. I love it. That's that's a really good one. And Gretchen Rubin is so good. Ah, so it. her and, and Brene, Brene Brown, I've actually got Brene Brown's, um, one of her quotes up right in front of my um, computer that says, choose courage over comfort. Oh, brilliant. I love and Brene so Brown. Very, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no. Now, look, where can our listeners connect with you online? Well, in lots of different places, but um, basically I am everywhere as Amanda Kendall with unusual spelling, K-E-N-D-L-E, uh, on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter under that. And of course, if you are a tra travel lover, then do come and find me at the Thoughtful Travel Podcast, which is in all the podcast apps or at notaballerina.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Amanda, for spending some time with us today and imparting your wisdom. So it's been fantastic to have you here. Oh, it's been a great chat. Thank you so much, Nikki. 
Thanks for listening to the Simply Standout Marketing Podcast. Head over to simplystandoutmarketing.com for the show notes, downloads, and even more great stuff to help you grow your business with marketing made simple.